Thank you for your presence. The Bible tells us that if we say we love God, whom we have not seen, but hate our brother whom we see every day, the truth is not in us. And if the God's truth in its entirety is not in us, we are not genuinely saved. We can have Christian symbols on our cars, wear Christian symbols, quote scripture, pray eloquently, and sing hymns and spiritual songs. But if we are not continuously living and applying God's word in our lives, we are not genuinely saved. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us today. Let's pray. And Father, we do thank you and praise you for the preached word. We pray, praise you for songs and prayers and scripture reading and all that has been done thus far. And we pray now that you will tune our ears to the authoritative word of God. Help me to preach it in the power of the spirit. We pray against satanic distractions. And we pray that those who are hearing would not only receive, but live out truth as dispensed through the Spirit. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing through, we're tracking right along in 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. This is where we're going to park for this morning. You get there faster if you turn to the end of your Bible and move forward. You get to 1 John much faster that way. It's at the end of your Bible. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11, and it says, Beloved, I am not writing to you a new commandment, but an old one which you have had from the beginning. This commandment is the message you have heard then again, I am also writing to you a new commandment, which is true in him and also in you. For the darkness is fading and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims to be in the light but hates his brother, he is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother remains in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. What a passage. And from this particular passage of scripture, we want to continue where we left off last Sunday. How to know if I'm genuinely saved. How to know if I'm genuinely saved. Many Christians, even though saved, still struggle with the assurance of their own personal salvation. When many believers are asked, are you going to heaven? They respond by saying, I think so. Beloved, God does not want us to live our Christian lives in the midst of doubt, in the midst of uncertainty, he does not want us to live our life in fear, and neither does he want us to live our life in uncertainty. He wants us to be confident. He wants us to know without a doubt we are saved without a doubt to the glory of Almighty God. Are you sure you are saved John begins this chapter speaking to Christians, affectionately referring to them as my little children. 
With a fatherly concern, the aged apostle often used this expression of endearment to address the issue of sin and their assurance of salvation. I pose a question to you. How can I know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved? It is my heart's desire as your pastor uh, to see all of you having the assurance of your salvation and not being perplexed, unsure, or in a quandary as it relates to your salvation. Well, 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 in the text says, Beloved, I am not writing to you a new commandment, but an old one which you have had from the beginning. This commandment is the message you have heard. Then again, I am also writing to you a new commandment, which is true in him and also in you. For the darkness is fading and the true light is already shining. When John says in verse 7a, beloved, I am not writing to you a new commandment, but an old one, which you have had from the beginning. He's referring to the salvation of believers when they first heard the gospel, which you first heard from the beginning. He's referring to the salvation of believers when they first heard the gospel. When John says in verse 8a, then again, I am also writing to you a new commandment, which is true in him and also in you. He is speaking to the believing community and is referring to John, the gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, which says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Verse 35 says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In the Old Testament, God instructed his people on how to put love into action. Leviticus 19, 18 says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge. This is way back in Leviticus. It says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In the New Testament, Jesus actually elevates love to a higher level because he loved not only his friends, but Jesus loved his enemies, Jesus loved his persecutors, and Jesus loved a sinner. As a matter of fact, he was a friend of sinners. He not only loved the elite, Jesus also loved the outcast as well. In 2 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I write a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. We should love one another because 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. That's right. We love him because he first loved us. God, out of his great mysterious love for humanity, sent Christ who brought light hope, and salvation into a world filled with spiritual darkness. Jesus brought light into a world filled with sin. Jesus brought life in a world filled with wickedness and lawlessness and hatred. Jesus, who is the personification of love, set the supreme example as to what it means to possess genuine agape sacrificial love, what it really is. Jesus loved the lost, 
and he loved the saved. And that should be us as well. We must love those who are lost and we must love those who are saved. We must love the lovable as well as the unlovable. A test of your spiritual maturity is when you can love saints who are hard to love. Uh, family members who are difficult to love, children who are difficult to love, co-workers who are difficult to love. Anybody can love people who just do what you say and they're so nice and kind and gentle and mild. But can you love those who keep you on your knees? Maybe that's why sometimes God allowed difficult people in your life. He wants to increase your prayer life. (laughs) Our love must be unconditional toward humanity. Our love must be intentional toward humanity. Regardless of race, regardless of socioeconomic standards. Uh, I know you're hearing racism and all this talk, but listen, we need to love people regardless of who they are, where they are, whether you like them, whether you don't like them. God didn't say love them if you like them. If you don't like them, you don't have to love them. You love them when they get on your nerve. You love them when they sweet. Uh, Love is a decision. I've had people tell me when they're about to get a divorce, I don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. Well, you loved her once. Love is an act of your will. You love because you will yourself to love. You decide you're going to love. You are decisive and intentional with your love. You have to love others even when it is not reciprocated. That's genuine agape sacrificial love. Maranatha's annual math and science camp for 3rd to 12th graders will be held on Saturday, July 31st from 8 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. This year's focus is careers. Join us for fun, hands-on learning demonstrations, work vehicle parade, and prizes, all for $5 per person. Register on Maranatha's Facebook page. The love of Christ will not allow you to scheme. When you really love God, with all your heart. I want you to listen to me because this is what the church needs and this is what the world needs to see in the church because the world really don't know what love is. They go by feelings and they, 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 they go by just talk. But we should exemplify before the world what the real essence of love really is. Love will not scheme. Love will not compete. Love does not gossip against your brother or sister. Love will not slander. Love will not hold grudge. Love will not get even. And love will not hurt one another. It will not hurt one another. As a matter of fact, hurt people hurt people. Rather, we are to have within us genuine love, which should emulate Christ and seek the highest good of others. Our goal is is to love people and seek the highest good of others. John 13, 35 says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you love everybody in this room? I mean, your love, it ought to exude from you to everyone, to, to children, to the elderly, to the blacks, to whites, to Hispanics, to interracial couples. You should not restrict your love toward anyone. You should love 
people because God created all in his image. I wish God could put me on a nationwide news to tell people how to really love in the way that Christ wants us to love. Amen. Well, here's a question. How do you know without a doubt that you are genuinely saved? How do you know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved? This is critical. Number one, what gives evidence of our salvation is that we believe and embrace Christ, who is the true light that shines through us to others who are in spiritual darkness. Again, we give evidence of our salvation is that we believe and embrace Christ. That gives us evidence who is the true light that shines through us to others who are in spiritual darkness. First John 2 8 says, then again, I am also writing to you a new commandment, which is true in him and also in you. For the darkness is fading and the true light is already shining. Now look at verse eight. True light in verse eight refers to the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is the light of the world. Jesus came to bring light in a dark, decadent world. In the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life. Apart from Christ, everyone else born in this world is born in spiritual darkness. Did you get that? That's a big statement. Apart from Christ, everyone else born in this world, is born in spiritual darkness and is in dire need of spiritual life, which comes only through Christ, who is the light of the world. Jesus, who came to earth because of his great unconditional love for lost humanity, taught his disciples to love one another, and he demonstrated it before them in a very personal way by washing the disciples' feet. When a believer receives Christ, he is transferred from spiritual darkness into spiritual light and shines because of the light of Christ that emanates from him. It is impossible to walk in light and darkness at the same time. You're either walking in light or you're walking in darkness, but you're not walking in both. Our genuine love for other believers validate that we have the light of Christ within us. Beloved, is the light of Christ shining bright through you It shouldn't take a person who does not know Christ five years to discover that you're a Christian. Your light should be so brilliantly light until they can see Christ in you instantly and say, what is this about you that I see? When John says in verse 8b, for the darkness is fading. You see that in the text? Look at the text. For the darkness is fading. He is saying that no matter how spiritually dark the world becomes, it is only temporary and will one day pass away. And when we look around the country, around our nation, and we see sin and evil and degradation, even all over the world, it doesn't matter how bad things get, you can be encouraged that all of this spiritual darkness will one day pass away. Now, it is evident today that spiritual darkness is not fading, but increasing as we witness the ruins and ravages of sin, 
We look around, we see evil and lies. As we look around, there's deception, there's murder, there's increase of crime, there's confusion. We look around and there's political upheaval, there's riots, there's sedition, there's increase in drug use and the disintegration of the family. But spiritual darkness will fade at the second coming of Christ when he will personally return in his glorified body in brilliant Chekinah light as he invades a world filled with darkness to destroy sin, his enemies, and establish the millennial kingdom on earth in Jerusalem, ruling the world all over. Secondly, the second indication that we're saved is an indication that one has been saved and born again is that he or she remains in the light. A true indication, a true sign that one is born again is that she or he remains and continues in the light. First John 2.10 says, whoever loves his brother remains in the light. A sure sign that one is unsaved is that he loves spiritual darkness. Uh, Darkness refers to moral, spiritual darkness. Darkness refers to spiritual ignorance of the things of God and is associated with wickedness. But when one possesses the light of Christ, he hates spiritual darkness and has an inner longing to follow Christ. When one is in Christ, you have an inner longing to obey Christ and to live for Christ and live holy before Christ. That's a sign that you have the life of God living in your soul. Beloved, are you in spiritual darkness or do you possess the life and light of Christ? Number three, we know we are genuinely saved when we love our fellow believers in Christ. We know we are saved when we love our fellow believers in Christ. 1 John 2, 9 through 11. 1 John 2, 9 through 11 says, If anyone claims to be in the light, look at this, but hates his brother. Underline brother right there. Underline it. He is still in the darkness. Verse 10. Whoever loves his what? Brother. Underline that. Remains in the light. And there is no cause of stumbling in him. Verse 11. But whoever hates his what? Brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He who says he is in the light but lives a habitual lifestyle of hate and and darkness uh, does not know God and is going straight to hell. That's tough language. Notice the word brother is used three times in verses 9 through 11. You see, brother, brother, brother. Loving our brothers and sisters in Christ is not optional. Loving our brothers and sisters in Christ is not optional, but is commanded by our Lord and the Apostle John. Our love for the brethren validates our salvation. When John uses the word brother, he's referring to fellow believers in Christ. When he uses the word brother, he's speaking of fellow Christians, saints, brothers and sisters in Christ. He's referring to both. Hate is a sinful condition. Did you get this? 
You should never tell anyone, I hate you. That's sinful. Hate is a sinful condition of the heart that is despised by God and incompatible with the Christian life. Now, that's a big statement. Let me say that again. Hate is a sinful condition of the heart that is despised by God and incompatible with a Christian life. Because 1 John 2, 9 and 11 says, if anyone claims to be in the light but hates his brother, he is still in darkness. That means he's still what? Lost. You claim to be in the light, you profess to be in the light, but you hate people. You don't like them because of what they did to you 40 years ago. You don't like them because they don't smell right. You don't like them because they're rebellious or they're sinful or they're evil. Uh, They go to certain places you wouldn't go. You have to love sinners. Verse 11 says, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness, which means you are in spiritual blindness. And there are a lot of spiritual blindness in America today. There are people in higher places of learning in spiritual darkness. There are people at high political levels and high offices are in spiritual darkness. There are people who are in the workplace in spiritual darkness. There are people sitting in the church and have membership in the church. They have good membership, but they're still lost because of spiritual darkness. I would like to give you some spiritual insights on what God has given us permission to hate, especially since so many are fixated on hating one another. We hear the word hate, 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 hate. We have racism, 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 racism. And uh, and sometimes it's even, uh, we, we know we have, racism is nothing new. It has been here since the dawn of human history. It is not going nowhere. It's going to be here until Jesus come back. Amen. So we have, there are some things we have to learn to live through. Learn to live through. And the worst thing we can ever do is weaponize the word on people who are not actually racist. Uh, and so we have to have a balance there as well. But since we, people are always talking about hate, and racism and all these things, uh, as Christians, let me just put a different spin on it, and then we're going to go further the next time. As Christians, what has God given us permission to hate? God has given us permission to hate certain things, and allow me to give you these, and I want you to write these down, and I want you to hate these things with a passion. So the folk always talking about hate, let me give you something to really hate, so that you can be a better Christian to the glory of God. Number one, we are to hate pride. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 17a says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look. If we allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, he will reveal that the root of all sin within us can be traced back to pride. Every sin you and I commit can be traced back to pride if we sit before the Lord and ask him to search our hearts. A proud look refers to a spirit that causes one to overestimate themselves and devalue others, put themselves above others, to think too highly of yourself. Pride, pride, pride is a dangerous, deadly, disastrous thing. 
Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Satan loves pride. Number two, we are to hate a lying tongue. We are to hate a lying tongue. Proverbs 6, 19a says, a false witness who speaks lies. A false witness who speaks lies. This is one who breathes out lies even under oath in the court of law. You know, you put your hand on the Bible, raise your hand, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. You say, I do. And then they get on the stand and then lie. This person lies so often that no one believes him or her when they even tell the truth. Beloved, God hates a lying tongue. Husbands never lie to your wife. Wife never lie to your husband. Children never lie to your parents. Tell the truth. Humble yourself. If you did something wrong, it's better to say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. I learned some invaluable lessons from it. I will never do that again. Instead of trying to cover it up, and then you got to think of another lie to cover that lie, another one to cover that one. You got to have, you know, when you're a liar, you got to have a good memory. (laughs) Thirdly, we're to hate murder. We're to hate murder. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 17c says, hands that shed innocent blood. And we see innocent blood being shed all over our nation and world. This refers to one who will murder with no sense of consciousness and will even premeditate murder. They have no regard for human life. They don't have to know you. Be careful about blowing your horn behind somebody that's not moving. The light is green and you want them to go. Boom! It turn around with a something and just boom. You better be patient. It's better to wait an extra minute or just miss that light than lose your life. You don't know where the fool is. You don't know where the fool is. And sometimes you, you go to early grave because of your impatience. The Bible tells us that there is no assurance of salvation apart from obedience to God's word, for his word alone gives us that assurance. We must trust in the Lord with all our hearts and acknowledge him in all our ways. Only then can we say we are genuinely saved. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org, where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, direction to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.